Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Nutanix Weekly. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got Jaira Cox with me. Jaira's a consistent co-host over here and the man with all the knowledge. Uh, so in a situation like this where we we uh, have to shift our format a little bit and choose a different topic. I know I've got somebody to lean on, and, and today we're going to talk about the exciting worlds of Nutanix files. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because it truly is a value-add part of the Nutanix solution um, that if you're smart, you take advantage of and, and get a lot out of. Hey, Jaira, no, um, uh, no stress, but I do want you to know that this is my last thing I'm doing before I go skiing out west for four days, so we better make Whoa. it. Whoa, record short podcast incoming. <laughs> Well, and Harvey Green, uh, Zintegra sales engineers, joined us as well. Harvey, how's it going? Pretty good. You may be muted. Oh, am I? No, you're good. You're good. It's I got a delay on my side. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Harvey, uh, you should see in the chat window, and I'll I will uh, post it again. But I guess Harvey will give you we will give you a chance to speak. I know you're uh, a couple minutes late, but you're working hard on a uh, scoping call. It sounds like. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I was. Uh, it, I mean, it, it's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Love a good scoping call for sure. Which means it's not Sunday anymore. That is true. Hey, Harvey, you're a pretty uh, pretty dependable guy, right? I try to be. <laughs> Had a guy tell me one time, the only problem with being a dependable guy is everybody depends on you. That is correct. <laughs> Jaira and I were just talking through the, the, the uh, discrepancies of being a sales engineer or consultant versus maybe on the business development side and talking about living around palm trees and going to work every day. Long story. We'll have to fill you in some. <laughs> All right. Um, so Jaira. With your upcoming ski trip. <laughs> uh, it's got a lot to do with my wife's trip to uh, Charleston, South Carolina last week, which is the bar has been, <laughs> bar has been set pretty high. Right. Yeah. All right, so uh, Jaira suggested that since our original topic has gotten shifted out a couple of days, that we cover the latest release uh, with the Nutanix file. So we picked a, um, a release document from Nutanix to go through. And, and Jaira, you said there were a couple high-level topics or really important notes in this release that you wanted to cover with us. So let's, let's do that. Where, where do we start? <clears throat> yeah, so the biggest one I find like super exciting about this release um, is the DR upgrades, right? So we've had files for, you know, really quite a while, actually. I, th I think that just my mental math going back, it's at least five-ish years that we've been running virtualized file servers on Nutanix in a clustered scale-out fashion. Well, help me understand that because the way you just said it kind of confused me, virtualized file servers. So it's, it's files as a service, basically, right? The user doesn't know their file servers. They just, it's a Correct. service. Right. So it's, <clears throat> if you're an admin, you're in Prism, you basically hit the, I want a file server button and tell it you want like one VM, you want like three VMs, you know, something through resiliency at the app level. And that would uh, survive like a hardware failure. Um, and then whatever you pick, right? Grow it later on, grow from three to four to five. If you need more concurrency, need more capacity. <clears throat> um, so we've had that for a while. Um, now that's well, really uh, NFS, right? It's kind of like NFS or is it ISO? Well, it's NFS or SMB, depending on what you want, right? So usually oh, okay. SMB for like a Windows VDI or or app server computing, uh, server based computing environment, NFS for Linux uh, file shares as well. And and what's so nice about that, say from a Citrix perspective, which obviously we we talk a lot about, um, you're getting um, the benefits of data locality in many regards, uh, and you're never even you're not, you're not leaving the cluster for sure. You might not even leave the box. Sure. Yeah. I mean, locality, yes. To put to, to apply a grain of salt to that, it's still a network-based protocol, right? So you're going to go out of NIC and go somewhere else to get that data retrieval. But I would put it more as 
hey, it's going to be a high-performing application on Nutanix, right? So all of our data management and, you know, if it's a hybrid cluster with HDD, tiering the hot data onto Flash also can apply to that file's workload. Uh, but then all the other goodness, right, of it, it runs on us. Therefore, you know, if, I, if you throw one of those HDDs, if a disk fails <clears throat> or you want to grow the cluster, it, as a, as a citizen of that cluster, gets all the benefits uh, of running on the platform, right? So the same reason you can virtualize anything on Nutanix then applies to file servers as well. Plus, to be candid, we make it, right? So you get to call our support if you have any questions, right? Best in the industry support. Um, and you get to upgrade it with our tools, right? So we call it Lifecycle Manager, where you go and it does a full inventory of what's in the cluster, shows you here's the new firmware, here's the new, the new hypervisor, here's the new AOS, and it knows how to apply all that in the right order, and files is just part of that chain, right? So that integration is something like you couldn't get with like a hand-built, like, window clustered file server. Um, I'm getting way ahead of ourselves. I know this, but if I decided I want to go to uh, Acropolis, um, you know, uh, clusters, right? And the clouds, yep. I guess my data is going to just go with me. Either way, right? So yeah, it runs files as a as a app, right? A file server is just an application on us. Runs on AHV, runs on vSphere, can run up in clusters in AWS, all 100. percent Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Harvey, uh, any firsthand experience getting to use the Nutanix file system? Absolutely. And uh, I'm a big fan of it. And for those of you who are listening and are, are not sure of some of the other things that we always talk through about Nutanix, this is something else to Jara's point that you will be able to do directly out of the same prism pane of glass. Uh, you don't have to, you know, have something else set up. You don't have to go somewhere else to manage it. You don't have to go anywhere else to configure it. Everything's still being done out of the one place, the single pane of glass. It is a lifesaver. Yeah. The, um, glass. So we've had we've had that for for quite a while, and our strategy for doing data protection, right? So how do I recover from like if my entire site goes dark, all right? Big power event kind of uh, outage has always been replication-based, the same way we've had replication from cluster to cluster forever and a day. Um, we just would, we can pack up the entire files application, ship it to another cluster, and then recover it over there. Uh, even if we need to like update the Active Directory pairing or re-IP stuff, that's all natively, there's a walkthrough for all of that. Um, what's cool is we're even shortening the, the recovery time there. So it used to be we would ship a copy of those VMs that was powered off to the DR site. Now we're going to run those VMs full time. Uh, and there even is a read-only copy of your data sitting out there. So now it's just a matter of bring that share and mark it as writable now. Update DNS to say, I own that, that share now over at that file server cluster. Clients can get repointed and it drastically shortens your recovery time. Uh, to fail over or fail back, right? Because uh, if, if whenever those VMs are running, right, they're going to stay in sync. They're going to they're um, keep replicating the data at your defined intervals. And what's the, uh, what's the shortest definition I could have there? So today for this release, it's 10 minutes um, from prod to DR. Uh, that, watch this space for that. So that, that should, that should uh, continue to decrease. We've gone from, over the life of files, we've gone from uh, stuff like nightly to hourly to now 10 minutes, and we'll keep on going down. Are there uh, requirements as far as bandwidth and latency that impact that? No, there's really not. Even on our regular core VM platform, uh, when we ship near sync, which goes from one hour to one minute uh, deltas, um, when you do the math, it's all about change rate. So 
a big change that you take an hour to send is actually the same sort of average data rate as a snapshot every minute that you take a minute to send. So uh, it's not more or less data. So there's not, it doesn't really change the game on your required uh, bandwidth. So Harvey, I'm sitting here listening to this and thinking about how great a solution this would be for provisioning server. And I'm, my brain just starts going into Swiss cheese thinking about that. Jairo, are you familiar with Citrix provisioning server? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, obviously the Citrix PVS solution really doesn't fit in the Nutanix world if you're using machine creation service and the beauty of Nutanix and local files and local file access. Uh, however, we've always longed for this really robust, resilient uh, yes. SMB-based solution <laughs> in Citrix provisioning server world. I, I think you just solved it, but I should never use it because I don't need I it. Think I've heard smarter folks than me tell me that we we make MCS easier to implement than any other platform, and oh, so yeah. full steam ahead on MCS. But for sure, we absolutely, we absolutely support PVS as well. I was on yeah, we still got quite a few uh, diehard PVS fans out there. They're they're more of the guys that are you know like they're they're the they're a, they're an opinionated breed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got a situation now where we're talking to a customer about Nutanix and. And they're telling me they want to run Gen 1 and use PVS with Nutanix. And, and I'm, uh, I know why they're doing it. It's a, it's, a, it's a way to get there quicker without having to rebuild their image. Right. Uh, but I'm really challenging them not to do that because you know, it, it'd be like uh, buying a new car and putting your old seats in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Jaira, I think we've talked a little bit about this. I don't know where we stand with the document. What, uh, what things did you want to highlight from this uh, release? So some other um, pretty exciting stuff actually is um, I love how we're, um, you know, we're <clears throat> getting into, we'll keep on advancing with ransomware protection. So, you know, ransomware, I mean, as you guys know, I'm not telling you anything new. Uh, the biggest attack surface area is always in the end user space, right? Cause it's always users clicking links, users opening attachments. Right. Um, <clears throat> so most of those infections start in the end user space. And then those things always want to attack attached file servers or mapped file servers. So with this release, we're um, starting with, uh, you know, trying to help customers get more ransomware protection. We already have lots of recovery options from snapshots and replication and all that jazz, but how do we even try to nip it closer and closer to the butt itself? And the first one's gonna be, we do, um, we've got uh, known bad file extensions. So when, when you run ransomware, it renames all of your Word documents from .docx to .xyz, something else we know, hey, that .xyz extension is a bad extension, block that file right, which then commonly makes ransomware not, uh, it, it fails the encryption, which then doesn't delete the source document, otherwise they're causing a data loss event and it's bad for their business model. <laughs> so <laughs> by blocking the right, we block the encryption, which then blocks the attack. And then we can, we can of course, catch that, alert on that in Prism, um, and and we want to, you know, do, get into more and more uh, be able to chain that with other other actions you can take to even further remediate that. But today we can block the right. Um, so, like I said, it's a it's a very first offering on how we bring anti ransomware protection to to the file servers. Um, we can already, of course, do stuff like snapshot recovery. So you can bring up the entire file server from yesterday or from hours ago, depending on what snapshots you're retaining on the cluster. Uh, and then end users can even bring their own files back, so they can even without even bugging IT they can say, hey, what's the previous versions of this Word document that I was working on and browse the file share, do previous versions, do a self-service recovery. Um, so that's, those are both options as well as, of course, uh, before you even 
dive into replicating back from another DR cluster. So we want to have a full spectrum of protection there for preventing ransomware attacks. Yeah, I'll, I'll use my southern slang to say that uh, concept of recognizing the file extension, that's, that's, that's stupid simple. <laughs> it, it kind of is, right? Um, it kind of is. I mean, that, that's some 1990s antivirus level thinking, right? <laughs> so, Well, think about it. I mean, a lot of these guys, that's what they use. They use common basic concepts, and that's how they get us. And Oh, yeah. I was talking to a customer a few weeks back, and they were like, ransomware, is that still a thing? I'm like, yes, ransomware yes. is definitely still a thing. Like, uh, you, you know, you're lucky to not <laughs> to be wondering, right? If you have to wonder about it, clearly you've got maybe better users. But uh but yeah, it's like ransomware. That's the, the genius of it is that it does what it does in user space with user permissions. So to, to neuter ransomware, you have to give your users less permissions, which doesn't usually fly. Yeah. Those are those guys that still don't have their Windows firewall turned on. <clears throat> yeah. Probably a bunch of those. Okay. Um, yep. Harvey, any uh, questions, comments? No, I mean, I, I think that one is uh, is a very interesting one. It's like, it, it's almost security by obscurity. It's like, I hesitate to even discuss it further because it's so simple that <laughs> it invites you to, you know, figure out other things, which I, mean, it, I think is pretty interesting. Um, I, it's one that I would love to see. <laughs> no. So uh, I don't know the the vision that came to my mind is like taking your wife's pocketbook and just start by putting it under the seat. It's that simple. Just don't leave it out. And open. <laughs> right. <laughs> you go to these parking lots. I was telling Jairo just in Charleston, the parking lot says, you know, don't leave your stuff uh, sitting out in the open. I was like, well, of course you don't leave your stuff sitting out in the open. Let's let's, let's at least make it a little hard for them. It, it's it's amazing how that still needs to be said. <laughs> All right, Jaira, what, uh, what other topics do we want to make sure we cover? So the last one um, I think we're worth focusing on is, uh, so for file analytics, which is our sidecar included with files analytics platform, it, it watches all your file servers and can tell you data about them. So stuff like data age, stuff like what's on there, right? Who's got the big MP3 collection up on the file server? Um, you know, <laughs> what, who are my top uh, writers? Who are my top readers? All that kind of stuff. We're adding some analytics around data age, which gets really interesting. Um, so we can t- say, hey, you know, sure, you're storing whatever, you know, 20 terabytes of data on this file server, but did you know that, you know, 90% of it is three years old, right? And pretty stale. Do you have a business use case to keep on retaining that? Um, and as we get more and more into that space, uh, we've talked about it at .next as well. It's still coming. Uh, the ability to uh, tear off the older data to other targets, right? So that we can keep the hotter data closer to users where it closer to users where it needs to be, send older data uh, somewhere else colder for long-term storage. So that's in, uh, that's in Analytics 3.0, um, which is also part of the release, as well as uh, also fun stuff like even generating your own custom reports. So you can go in there and say, I want to know about this about my data, right? And sh- show me more than just the canned reports that, uh, that the previous versions came with. So that's honestly, it's kind of our sleeper feature. Like no one expects it. And it's one of the most compelling reasons about, you know, yeah, there's 18 bazillion ways to give SMB shares in a Windows environment, but this is the one that tells you, hey, by the way, what are you bothering to store here, right? Is it worth it? Tell me more data about my data. Right. Uh, giving you some intelligence so you can make better decisions. Yep. Yeah, who's accessing what and when? Um, 
you know, I go back to my first sysadmin job in 2000 and me running around asking people, Hey, do you still use this share and who has access to this share? And them having no idea. And man, would have been, would have been nice to say, okay, here's what's in it. Here's who's accessing. And I'm sure had they seen it, they'd be like, well, what in the heck? That person's not met in my department for three years. What are they doing? Looking at my, you know, my annual report or whatever. Um, yeah, this data is the most valuable thing in the world, specifically in our industry. And uh, if you get the data in one place, you got a chance of being able to t- tweak and tune around what's happening for sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's it's part of I love um, files as a product, right? Because it's it's at the core of what we do of making the entire uh, job of running IT simpler, right? Not just one aspect of it. So, Jira, if I buy a three-node cluster, how much files am I enabled to have? Uh, your choice, right? So, it actually, you can license it. You could run the entire cluster to run files itself if you wanted basically like a HCI-powered NAS. Or if you wanted to mix it with other workloads, uh, files is licensed by terabyte or terabit, basically. Um, so, if you only needed like two terabytes of file storage, you just add that to the cluster. Yeah. Yeah, I was under the impression there was some kind of crazy number that you get by default normally when you buy a cluster. Maybe well, every so every cluster can kick the tires on it, right? So every cluster by default turn it on, and you get a terabit, a bit, ter- terabyte basically included with every cluster. So just fire it up, kick the tires, uh, run it in your lab environment. You know, um, try it out. You can deploy uh, one file server for like a dev environment. Uh, you can deploy uh, like a three node cluster, then gains resiliency because you can like have even like an unplanned hardware failure. Files cluster stays up and keeps on running. So, Jaira, uh, is that is that it? Is that all we want to talk about? I do have a new, a new topic for you. We didn't talk about this one, but I know you're gonna you're gonna be able to answer it. Anything else about files you want to bring up? I'm good. Hit me, Harvey. Anything else on your end? I'm good. I'm curious about what you have now. So, whatever I had just went away. <laughs> I'll just end it with this. Harvey's got a big sign he's holding up. Says, "I love Nutanix files." I don't know why. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't plan to do that. Thanks, Jaira. <laughs> uh, Jaira, I did have a comment come up last week about community edition and running in labs. What's the latest with if you're a Nutanix admin and you're wanting to run this thing in a lab somewhere? What's what's the best way to do that these days? Yeah. Um, so yeah, community edition. Yeah, we call it CE is by far the best way for um, a permanent lab for sure. Um, with CE, you can deploy a one-node, three-node, or four-node cluster. Um, I think with the latest release, it basically has feature parity and code parity. It's actually a fork of our of our GA release, uh, so you're running the same code that you'd run in production. Um, it can do just about everything. It can uh, it can run files like we, like we talked about here today. Uh, it can do the Citrix integration for Cloud Connect. Uh, it can uh, deploy a Prism Central uh, to get that uh, visibility and manageability can do the automation stuff, you can run Calm, you can deploy objects uh, for S3 storage, uh, you can uh, deploy uh, Kubernetes in our managed version of that, we call it Carbon. So it can do just about everything the real product can do. Yeah, I think someday I wanna get you on with a podcast, maybe when we don't have an official topic and just go through some of those features and just walk through some of those. Because I know personally, some of those are newer to me and I, I don't sure. know enough about them. Uh, but so community edition still lives and it's still, you can still download it anytime you need to. hundred percent. You find that on our forums, which is, I believe, let's try it in real time. Next.nutanix.com. Um, and there's a pinned topic. There's a pinned forum post in there for how do I get uh, Nutanix community edition. And, and just to talk through a little bit, I, it's been a year or two since I've done this, but it, you, you require at least one SSD drive. Is it still that a requirement? 
Yeah. Um, one SSD does not need a fancy HPA the way a real node does. So any SSD uh, should make that work. Let me see if I can pull up the requirement stock for CE uh, as we talk. This is great podcasting material. Uh, and while you're pulling that and while we're talking about requirements, I, I would want to at least say out loud to everyone you know, listening that community edition is not for you to see how fast this thing is going to run. Uh, the, these are running on your nodes, your equipment. I mean, you're in control of ultimately of how fast or slow it will be. But at the same time, community edition is not for you to try to figure out what kind of performance you're going to get from Nutanix, um, you know, and compare it to what you would have if you were purchasing a, a full out cluster. Uh, but it is a way for you to get in, you know, start looking at the user experience, start looking at the admin experience and, and what you would actually have. It's more of the what than the, you know, how fast and things like that. Completely accurate. Yeah, for sure. And and a healthy disclaimer for sure. <clears throat> it is by default, you're, you're installing it on who knows what kind of YOLO lab right. environment, you know, you've got. <clears throat> it is not, you know, the latest intel cascade like cpus like you'd get in a real node from any vendor um and then the one kind of meaningful difference to give it more hardware compatibility uh it runs all the storage that the cluster sees in v disks on top of whatever disks you slap in there right so those could be those could be terrible ssds that could be one drive right per day ssds that could be 10 years old who knows um and everything, all the storage that a, a CE cluster addresses is in inside of a V-disk, which is then nested on top of some other SSD, uh, which is not the way a real cluster runs. A real cluster runs with direct access through an enterprise HBA against real disks, and every write that it does doesn't even traverse a hypervisor. So the plumbing behind under the hood is different than a real cluster, but the software that you can run is, is accurate, right, and it is a true representation. So you can Correct. do... Awesome validation, but absolutely right. Don't throw it on the dyno and do a perf test. I'll tell you now, I'll save you some time. It, it doesn't run like the real product does because the real product has an HCL. It's verified and vetted with engineering. Right. Uh, whereas this we're giving to you, hey, go run it as a nested VM if you want to, right? And yeah, storage performance is going to be what you expect um, for a nested, uh, nested VM, but it also will run. So uh, pick your poison. Yes. That's nope, so, a great point. Yes. Disclaimer, right? This isn't for production. I think maybe you guys may have said that. I, I did also run into one time I tried to do on some really junky hardware. I think there's a, a minimum number of cores unless you change something in the config file. Uh, <laughs> if you, yeah, I think it's probably uh, RAM in the controller VM, right? If you if you spun it up on a, a 32 gig platform, I think, if you gave, say, 16 gigs to the CVM, 8 gigs to the hypervisor, there's basically nothing left to run as a workload. So you could thin down the CVM a little bit to maybe, back in the day, it could be like 12-ish, give you a little bit more headroom. Um, in general, I, th I think for a happy experience, you should probably, if you're going to do a single node, do at least 64 gig memory. Yeah. Yeah, I think this was actually the number of cores. If I Because I ran into it, nobody knew what I was talking I was trying to run it on like a knockoff nook. Um, but yeah, getting <laughs> down the RAM, minimal number of cores. Um, after that, you got to have some SSD and away you go, right? What is it, about 16 gigs of SSD or eight gigs? What is it? Minimum. Uh, for SSD, um, you I, I can't find the requirement stock uh, in real time. I, I want to say, I mean, a healthy guidance would be like, you probably want at least 100 gigs of SSD, right? Because you're going to throw a couple yeah. of VMs on there mm -hmm. for your you know, OS drives and so forth. And an SSD, I mean, 
100 gig SSD, you probably find on the street. <laughs> yeah, we buy them for our nonprofit for 16 gigs for like 10 bucks. Yeah. Which so yeah, no, for sure. Obviously not production, uh, not for production because there's no support. It's a community edition. You get you get the community forums for support. Uh, and also, yeah, the performance is, is different than the real product because uh, it's more hard. It has a broader hardware compatibility list, but um, good for kicking the tires. Like the other one you can do, of course, is uh, it's on the webpage now. It's on the homepage is we call it test drive. So you, you go to test drive, hit, I want to test drive now. It'll basically say, what do you want to test drive? Stuff like app dev automation do you want to test drive storage or you know dr application and it will drop you into a, lo- a live cloud hosted lab environment running the real running the real aos product so um, if you don't want to go to the all the pain of setting up a real home lab um, but you do want to get real hands-on time in a live environment that's that's by far the simpler way is just get, yes. do a test drive well and there's even this crazy partner in north carolina as integra that will put it in a pelican case and ship it to you and show up and do it for you I've heard of them. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that would last a lot longer than uh, the four hours that a test drive environment gets before it wants to uh, self-destruct. Yep. Yeah. That's one of Harvey and I's favorite thing to do. It's been a while because of the pandemic, but you know, we throw it in a Pelican case, throw it on UPS. We meet it up there two or three days later, two or three hours of testing and showing the customer how to use it. And then we leave and come back in 30 days and say, how'd it go? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I, I tell my customers all the time, right, is, is what, what, doesn't show, what doesn't jump off the page when you're looking at a checklist of us versus anybody else is the fact that, you know, with our clusters, right, you're, you're doing it all on day one or maybe day two, right? Like right. cluster stand up in the morning, maybe Prism Central at lunchtime, you're turning calm on by the afternoon. And on, you know, day two, your, your developers are in the app store and saying, I want a Windows VM. I want a Linux VM. Put it on this network, you know. <laughs> I um, want, I want, I want. Yeah, exactly, right? Give the people yeah, what they want. I plan to do a podcast on Calm at some point in the coming weeks, Trevor. That would be a good one to cover. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've come to the end here, and it's time for me to get out of here and go pack and go skiing for a couple of days. So, Uh, We'll do it again next week. I appreciate you guys jumping on and being agile and uh, letting us cover the topic that we wanted to cover. Yeah, man. Be safe on your uh, ski trip. Yep. Have fun on your ski trip. Don't hurt yourself like Doran. And uh, to to all listeners, we also have another intro to Nutanix Bootcamp on February 12th. That's that's coming up in a couple weeks. That's good. That's uh, there's a ton of value in that Harvey for people who have never touched it. And even people who have touched it just want a little more in depth and, you know, feel free to ask questions and we'll go with whatever topics they want to bring. Absolutely. If they just want to hear my voice more, there's another opportunity for you. (laughs) It's a nice voice, but it's not that nice. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) That's how I feel about it too. (laughs) All right, gentlemen. Thank you for the time. All right. Thanks a lot.